say amen to that this morning. Amen. Stand with me as we sing this song. Reminds us more about that. I will sing of my redeemer. Let's sing it together. I will sing of my redeemer and his wondrous love to me.
as we begin this time of worship together, we have the opportunity to come to this altar and we have an opportunity to spend time with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in prayer. In this morning, I know there are many needs in this place. Some of those are physical. Uh, some of those are relationships that need mending. There's forgiveness that's needed. There's maybe forgiveness uh, that needs to be sought after. Uh, there are others that are praying for lost loved ones. Maybe that's somebody within your family or at work or at school or in your neighborhood, but uh, you have a burden for that individual on your heart this morning. And as we begin this time of worship together, not waiting just for the end of our time together, but right here as we begin this time with our Lord, let we want to spend this time in prayer. And so whatever the need might be, uh, it may be bigger than us, but it's not bigger than our Lord. And so we can bring it to him this morning. So with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, the altar is open at this time. Let's come. Let's spend some time in prayer with our Lord. Father, as we come before you this morning, we recognize the number of needs within this place. Lord, there are as many needs here as there are individuals because, Lord, we're all hurting people, we're all broken people, and without you, we would have no hope. But, Lord, we are so thankful that in relationship to you, Lord, that we know the answer. Lord, we have the solution uh, because, Lord, you're bigger than any situation we're facing you're bigger than any problem that we're encountering and so Lord we lay it down today at the foot of the cross and I recognize for some this morning it is a very uh, difficult diagnosis health wise for some it's they're just wondering how the relationships can ever be put back together because of everything that's happened for others it's the financial stresses but Lord for so many of us it's that lost loved one it's that individual that you've laid on our heart that our heart is broken because we recognize they don't have a relationship with you and so lord today we pray that you would speak to them but also lord today we pray you'd speak to us and, and allow us to be better prepared to go and to share with them lord that our hearts would be uh, e even more stirred to the lost condition that they're in and that the most important thing that we could do is to take the gospel message to them that you lived and you died and you rose again and you did that because you love them and you've paid that sin debt, and Lord, if they will repent of their sin and turn to you, that they can be saved, Lord. We pray that we would see salvation in this place, even today, to your honor and glory. Lord, this time is yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The late Andre Croft wrote this song, and he entitled it, My Tribute, as his testimony for what the Lord had done for him. Let this be your testimony as we sing, as we sing it together. Stand with me, please. It's my tribute to God be the glory for the things he has done. Here we go. How can I say
want you to think about something that, uh, what is your greatest desire? Something that you would really like to hear, something to achieve, something that you, in, in your life, just think about the greatest thing that you could ever experience. And listen to the song.
Thank you, Brother Tim, for that special music this morning. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 this morning. How many of you have ever been on a construction mission trip with me? Anybody? A few of you? There's been more than that, isn't there? Oh, I see some up there. I see that hand. Okay. Those of you who have been on construction mission trips with me um, would understand why I would preach on Construction 101 because I'm really that good, right? We're going to be speaking spiritually this morning. That'll make you feel better, won't it? Um, I would think that any of us who have lived here in Marshall County or Graves County or this West Kentucky area over the last three months would say we've had more than our fair share of storms and we've experienced more than our fair share of destruction and because of that we are currently in the midst of a huge rebuilding project to try to put homes and businesses and churches back to back together again to, to put those physical structures back together again you might say and because of that everybody is thinking about construction needs and, and, and what's going to have to happen and we're all making plans and, and trying to help our neighbors. And if you ask any builder, they will, they will tell you that Construction 101 begins with your foundation. Don't cut corners on the foundation. Robin and I uh, actually just finished up last year um, building our new house and during that whole process our builder continually stressed to us the importance of the foundation and while we were spending the kind of money we were on the way that we were building the foundation and he spent a great deal of time going over the unique links that he was going to to make sure that our house was built on a firm and lasting foundation because you could put a lot of bells and whistles on top of a foundation that are going to crumble if the foundation isn't what it needs to be. And that's what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He's explaining that you can have this house, it looks like it's beautiful, it looks like it, it, it's going to make it the next 400 years, but if the foundation beneath it is not right, it will crumble. And so with that in mind, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 7, beginning there in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning I recognize that all of us are building a house of our life on something. And all of us are desiring for that house to be firm and, and for that house to be one that would be sturdy and that would, that would last. 
But Lord, we see here from your word that there is only one foundation that is going to be suitable for a, la- for a lasting house, for one that will last their eternity, and that is one that is built upon you, the rock of the gospel, the rock of what you have told us is being in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray today that if there's even one today, and they currently see a, a sandy foundation in their life, Lord, that they would address that by coming to you, by trusting you, by placing their faith in you, and Lord, that they would be sure that they are standing upon the rock. Lord, we love you. I know I'm a very weak vessel. Hide me behind the cross that only you be seen, that only you be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever heard of a place called Pisa in Italy? Maybe you've heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Have you ever heard of that? Well, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, just to let you know, is going to fall. It's just a matter of time. Scientists travel to that town of Pisa every year. And they travel there for the purpose of measuring the slow descent of that structure. And that's been going on for a very long time. They report that that 179-foot tower, it was actually built in 1173. It moves about one-twelfth of an inch a year and is now 17 feet out of plumb. Now, there were renovations renovations back in 1993 through 2001 that have saved the 847-year-old tower and prevented it from collapsing immediately. But quite significantly, the word Pisa actually means marshy land, which gives you some clue as to why this tower began to lean even before it was completed. The leaning tower of Pisa, the the tower, originally the tower of Pisa, was built on sinking ground. And so another issue is the fact that its foundation is only 10 feet deep. Can you imagine that, building a tower of that size and only putting in a a 10-foot foundation? Uh, Clearly, that's the reason that it is slowly falling down. The reason the Leaning Tower of Pisa is leaning is because it was built on a faulty foundation. And here, this passage is about two builders who built two houses on two different types of foundations and had two different results. What we have here is construction 101. Jesus is teaching us here that the foundation upon which we build our house of our lives is of the utmost importance. I want to point out a few elements of this parable that show us why the foundation of your life is of the utmost importance. First of all, consider the comparisons here. Consider the comparisons. This short parable appears to speak of two very different types of people. The two people Jesus pictures here are uh, important. The characteristics here are are very similar, though, if you look at, at some of the things. First of all, both heard the word of Christ. You see that? Both of them had had the opportunity to hear the gospel. The two people in this parable both heard Jesus share the message of faith and repentance. We see that in verses 26 
and uh, before that in verse 24. And thus both people referenced in this parable knew the way to salvation. It wasn't that they had a lack of information. They both had heard the gospel and each had had a different reaction to the gospel message. Both built houses, we see. Each of these people built a house based on their understanding of what Jesus said. The house in this parable is the picture of one's life. That is, each man built a life based on how they interpreted the message of Jesus. That means that both people believe the message to a certain point, to a, to a certain degree. They each applied the words of Jesus to their life as they saw fit. Also, both built in the same location. What I mean by that is that it seems that both of these people were building their life in a very similar place, and maybe in the same town. Uh, verse 27 describes a very severe storm, and both of the houses being in similar, similar locations, both of those houses were struck by that storm. Neither one was, was, was spared the, the storm hitting. Each one had to endure it. This storm affected both, and so they must have been in close proximity to one another. Both built similar houses. We see that nothing is said about their houses being different um, you know, from the ground up. It doesn't seem there is a whole lot of difference. They use similar materials, most likely a, a very similar design. From the outside, these two houses probably looked very, very similar to one another. In fact, they were so similar that you might not have been able to tell them apart. Um, if, if you didn't realize it, you might have thought it was the same house if you weren't thinking about it because they were that similar, in fact. It reminds me of the house that we built. Um, there actually is a house in McCracken County that we had the opportunity to go and to look at, and they had used a very similar house plan to what we uh, had, and so uh, they said we could come and walk through the house and, and see some things that, that they might have changed, they had another opportunity to build, and so we went over there and we walked through, and, and it was pretty neat to get to see kind of the floor plan that we were going to later build. And now, in fact, you know, if you were to go to that house in McCracken County and look at it and then come and look at our house, you might say, whoa, those are the exact same two houses. Now, there's a few minor differences. We tweak some things for the needs of our family, but basically they look the same other than the foundation. The, fa that, the house that they built there in McCracken County was on a very steep hill, and the foundation of that house and the foundation of our house look dramatically different because the foundations were built differently. The picture of the people here and how they respond differently to the gospel message is necessary for us to understand as well. Just to clarify, the gospel is very simple. Sometimes people try to make the gospel complicated, but the gospel is very, very simple. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you, First of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and then he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. I had the opportunity yesterday at Disciple Now to teach a group of kids um, uh, personal evangelism, and we went over three circles of evangelism training that I've taken many of you through here. And one of the first things we talked about is the gospel is simple. There's nothing complicated about the gospel. If you want to explain the gospel to your friends, you can do it. It's not 
complicated. You don't have to have a seminary degree. It's, it's, it's a simple gospel. And that is the message that we must believe in order for any of us to be saved. That Jesus came, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was dead and buried for three days, and on the third day he arose from the grave. That is the gospel message. And so the Bible puts it this way in Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Paul says it's just that simple. Salvation is as simple as believing the gospel. And of course, you'll notice that the Bible says in that verse, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Salvation involves faith in the gospel, but it also involves repentance. It involves repentance of sin and a, and a willingness, a willingness to, to yield one's life to the lordship and the control of Jesus Christ. And so it, it's not just adding Jesus on to our life and saying, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to add Jesus on to the way I'm already living. And so I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing, but I'm going to believe Jesus. Well, if you believe Jesus, if you believe he truly is who he said he is, then he has to not only be your Savior, he has to be your Lord. And if he's your Lord, then there's things in your life that are going to change. Because he is going to come in and he's going he's to clean house. He's not going to allow you to continue to live in the wickedness and the filth that you were living in before. And so that, 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 is, that is what salvation is. It's yielding to the Lordship of Christ. People hear the message and they react here, though, in two different ways. Regardless of how people react to it they all build their lives based on what they think Jesus is saying these people all build their houses in the same location that is they they weather the same storms um, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to experience storms right there's going to be hard things that are going to come there's going to be difficult diagnoses there's going to be storms physical actual storms that hit us there's going to be uh, death, there's going to be separation, there's going to be job loss, there's going to be kids that rebel. Those things are going to happen to us in this life. Um, and, and they went through those same storms, they, they work in the same jobs, they do the same kind of things, they go to the same churches, they hear the same preaching many times, and they live the same kind of lives to the outside world. The way the outsiders see them, it really might be difficult for them to tell those people apart. Obviously the people pictured here uh, are, he's speaking to people who view themselves as religious, as orthodox in their beliefs, serving in su and supporting their churches. These are responsible, salt-of-the-earth kind of citizens that he was talking about here. Both seem to believe the same things. They seem to live the same kind of lives. They have a lot of things in common, at least on the outside. But secondly, what I want you to see is consider the contrasts. Consider the contrast. There's a lot of things that look similar. There's a lot of things from the outside looking in. We say, well, what's the big deal? I don't see a lot of difference in, in their lives. So, so what are the contrasts? Well, with all the similarities, there are some major differences between these two types of people. And those differences must be understood. One man built his house on the sand. One man built his house on the sand. He built his house with very little preparation. He found a spot for his house, and he just began to build. No preparations being made. Now, sand is unstable. 
Uh, sand is ever-changing. It's ever-moving. Um, sand o- offers no stability. Have any of you ever been to the beach and taken your beach chair and put it real, real close to where the water's lapping up on the beach? And pretty soon you're sitting in the sand because your, your chair is just sunk all the way in because there's no stability there on the beach in that sand, right? It's always shifting. It's always moving. It, 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 if you try to stand in one place very long, you'll sink in because sand provides no stability. Sand is not a good place to build a house. If you've ever built a sandcastle and you came back the next morning, guess what you didn't have? A sandcastle because it's ever-changing. Sand can never provide a firm foundation. So in this context, building on the sand speaks of people who hear the gospel, but instead of believing the gospel and coming to faith in Jesus, they believe that they can build their lives on the shifting sand of human philosophy or wisdom or opinion or religious achievement. And so they are driven by outward religious appearances and faith in themselves rather than a faith that is firmly placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who build on the sand hear the gospel and they believe that they can save themselves. They say, okay, I understand, Jesus, what you're saying, but I, 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 do you know how good I am? Do you know all the things that I've done? Do you, do you know how much I've given to the church? They believe they can do enough to save themselves. They hear the gospel and they believe in the general message of the gospel, but they choose to follow God on their own terms. They're going to go thus far and no further with him. They're going to say, okay, I'm willing to go to that point, but I'm not going to take another step. To them, his word is a word that is open to interpretation. You ever heard people say that? Well, that's just not the way I see it. That's not the way I understand it. And so if he commands them to do something that they're uncomfortable with, they're not going to do it. If they're okay with what he says, then they might follow. If they don't like it, they won't go another step further. They build the house of their lives on a self-will, on a self-fulfillment, on self-sufficiency, on self-satisfaction, on self-righteousness. And theirs is a work-based religion that has the appearance of being right but the lack of power to save one's soul. Paul describes that kind of person in 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away people build on sand because building on the sand is easy it requires very little effort just a little change here a little change there and they can fool themselves they can even fool those around them into thinking that they're all right that they're good that the lord is a is, is seeing them as acceptable there is no digging deep until one is sure that they're building upon bedrock A life on the sand requires no commitment, no sacrifice, no real faith. People who build on the sand believe that they can pray a prayer. They can sign a a card. They can join a particular church. They can have a preacher dunk them in the baptistry. And all is well as long as they've gone through the motions. People who build on the sand can turn it on and off like flipping a switch. They can... Be in today and out tomorrow and again the next day. Sin builders ultimately have faith in themselves. You see people who are committed to the church for three months, six months, nine months, a year, and then boom, they're gone. You don't see them again. Why? 
Sand builders. Something happened. Somebody hurt their feelings. Something, something went not their way. They head for the door. Because theirs is built on the sand. When God makes demands on sand builders and calls for total surrender to his will, they begin to make excuses. Jesus encountered that very thing in his ministry. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. A certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and to bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. People who build their lives on religion, people who build their lives on self-righteousness, people who build their lives on false hope will not serve God for the long haul. They're in it for the short term when it's comfortable and easy and, and they feel like it's not stretching them too far. They will not sacrifice. They only walk the easy path. Sin builders like instant results, instant rewards, instant satisfaction, instant pleasure. They're shallow people who love the heights, but they hate the depths. They're hot, and then they're cold. They're in, and then they're out. They're up, and then they're down. There's no consistency. There's is a roller coaster that ends crashing. One man, however, built his house on the rock. One had built on the sand, but one man built his house on the rock. Now, that word rock refers to the outcropping of rock, the, the bedrock is what this is speaking of. And while one man built his house on the sand, the other dug deep, very deep. Sometimes it requires a lot of work to dig down to bedrock. But if you want a, a house that's guaranteed to stand, you build, you drill into that bedrock, and you've got a house that's not going to move. And that's what this man did. He dug until he hit bedrock and wasn't willing to build on anything less the rock does not move because the rock is unchanging. The rock is stable. Rock offers a good foundation, a lasting foundation for the house. Building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel. And they believe it to the point that they are willing to build every aspect of their life upon it, no matter the cost. The rock in these verses, of course, refers to the gospel it means that we're building our life upon the truth of the gospel. It's the same rock that's mentioned in Matthew 16, 16 through 18. And it says, he saith unto them, but who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and he said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In this passage, the rock refers to Peter's confession of faith in Jesus. He's not speaking of Peter himself. He's speaking to the lasting rock that will last forever, which is the gospel. 
that Jesus came, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the only one worthy to be worshipped. And so, in other words, it refers to placing our faith in Christ, not in Peter, not in, the, not, not in a man who would die and be buried and not rise again, but in Christ, the one who was dead and buried and who did rise again on the third day. Christ is our rock. The gospel message of what he has done is what we must believe. Rock builders understand that Jesus alone has the power to save one's soul. Rock builders hear his word and they conform their lives to it. They hear what the Bible says about Jesus. That is the way and the truth and the life that no man cometh unto the Father but by Christ. They hear that message and they receive it with their whole heart. They hear him say in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. They hear Matthew 11.28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That message strikes them like a bolt of lightning. It comes into their hearts with absolute clarity, and they believe it. They hear the truth about Christ, and they believe it, and they embrace it, and they yield to it. The message changes their life forever. What God tells them to do in his word, they do. What God warns them not to do, they avoid. They pay any price, they walk any path, they do anything the Lord tells them to do. You see, the house built on the rock is built by someone who realizes that God deserves our absolute best. They love him, they honor him, they obey him. The rock builder's obedience to the word of God proves they love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. Rock builders hear the word of God, the gospel, and make it the foundation of their lives. 1 John 2, 3-6, he says this, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Whereby know we that we are in him, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. So, There are two people who construct vastly different lives based on how they hear and how they respond to the gospel. One house is built on a firm foundation of faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other house is built on the shifting sands of religion and works and self-righteousness. One of, of, of those houses describes the kind of life that you're living in right now. You're living in one of two houses. You're either currently a sand builder, or you are a rock builder. There are no in-betweens. You're one or the other. You're either a believer in the gospel of Christ, or you have a false religion, and you have a false hope of salvation. I just remind you this morning that salvation comes only from knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. If he's not Lord, if he doesn't have complete control of your life, then there's a problem. 
Here again this clear message. Again it speaks. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 16.31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. Again, 1 Corinthians 3.11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this morning... Ask yourself this question, who or what is the foundation of your life? When, not, not just your Sunday morning answer, but get gut level honest with yourself. And who or what is the foundation of your life? What are you really building on right now? What are you trusting to stand upon in your life right now? For some of us, what we're standing on is very shifting. It, 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 it's, it's ultimately changing on a daily basis. It's that marshy land like, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa is built upon. And it may take a, a, a few years, but ultimately it's, that life's about to fall and collapse. Or are you building on the rock? Who or what are you building on? Are you building your life on the solid rock of the gospel? Or are you building your life on shifting sands this morning? And then briefly, let's look lastly, consider the consequences. The parable tells us that the rains came, the floods followed, and the winds of destruction blew. This image is, is not just about some storm in life. This is the image of judgment. In the end, both houses were subjected to the terrible storm of judgment. One house stood, the other was totally destroyed. All of us are going to be accountable for the way that we live our lives. The house that was built on sand couldn't face the withering judgment of God, and it collapsed. Jesus said, and great was the fall of it. It means the house was utterly destroyed. There was nothing left to show for the life that had been built there. There was nothing left. There was no hope. There was no dreams. There was no plans. All the effort, all the works, everything that had been done was destroyed and swept away as if it had never existed. Nothing lasted Shifting sand, it doesn't matter what we're doing, it's not of eternal significance if it's not impacting the lives of, of others with the gospel that they might know Christ. If, we're, if our life isn't based upon us knowing him and making him known, then, it, then it'll ultimately all be brushed to the side. It's a picture of what will happen to every person who builds their life on anything but Christ and the gospel. Because there is coming that day of judgment. There is coming a day when every person will stand face to face before God, and people who are trusting religion and good works and prayer uh, that, that they've prayed and, and followed along and thought that they had just the right words, some emotional experience that they're trusting in, that they've made at some point in their life that they can't really remember much about, some ceremonial action that they performed or anything else, will see the house that they've built crumble and fall before the judgment of God because ultimately they never really entered into a personal relationship with Christ. They went through a lot of motions and did a lot of things that, that maybe a friend told them to do or a preacher told them to do, but they never trusted Christ. It was always surface level. They never dug deeper. The person who builds their life on the sand will spend eternity in hell when they die because they never knew Christ and therefore he never knew them. Notice the word therefore in verse 24. That word ties this parable to the verses that we looked at last week. You remember last week we looked at Matthew 
chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and it told the tragic tale of religious people who had built their lives on sand. They were sand builders. That's who it's talking about. These people faced God with all their works and their self-righteous deeds, and they were cast out of his presence. God does not accept sinners into heaven based on their good works and their religious effort, no matter how great their good works and religious efforts might have been during their life. God accepts sinners, listen to me, God accepts sinners who have been saved by grace, and therefore they're no longer sinners. They've been transformed now into saints. That's who he allows in to heaven based upon their faith relationship with the Lord. not life the house built on the rock experienced the same storms the rains and the floods and the winds they beat upon the house the word beat means it struck and it battered even though it experienced that storm it stood against the storm that was thrown against it that house might have been shaken but it would not fall it stood on the firm foundation and it was able to weather that storm Again, the house stood because it was built on the word of God. It was built on the gospel of grace, not on self-righteousness, not on works. So this house stood because the builder dug deep and he built it on something greater than himself and his efforts. The builder built his house on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This builder believed the gospel. This builder understood that Jesus died for his sins that he rose from the dead and had the power to save anyone who would believe on him. This person built his life on Jesus, and he was accepted by God for it. And that's how it works. You can join a church, and you can still go to hell. You can be baptized numerous times, and you can still go to hell. You can be a good person, at least in the eyes of the your neighbors, other people thinking that you're just one of the best people in the community, and you can still go to hell. You can build your house on religion, being at church three times a week and twice on Sunday, and every revival. Wisdom and human philosophies and anything else that you can name, and you can die and you can go to hell because it's all about your efforts and what you can do. But Construction 101 is this, if you build your life on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you build your life on the death and the resurrection of Christ, and you believe on him to save you, you believe in your relationship with him to be the only thing that will be acceptable in the eyes of God, then your house will stand and your faith in Christ is what will save you. Nothing you've done but the finished work of what he has already done. The person who built his house on the sand did not intend for his house to fall. None of us built a house saying, hey, I'd love for this house to fall down tomorrow. None of us do that. He thought that he was doing the right things. He thought that he was building a house that would stand against anything that came his way. He was confident that this house would stand, but he was wrong. His confidence is not in the Lord, but it was in himself. And his confidence was misplaced. There was nothing wrong with the house there was nothing wrong with the materials. The problem in the house was its foundation was faulty from the start. He didn't get it right at the start, and therefore nothing else would matter. Here's the bottom line this morning. If you're building your house on anything 
other than a relationship with Jesus Christ, anything other than the gospel, it will fall. It might look sturdy. The materials might be all right. It might be pleasing to the eye. Everyone else might look at it and say, that's a fine-looking house. But if it is built on the wrong foundation, it will fall. And when it falls, you're going to be lost forever. And you will spend an eternity separated from God the Father in a place the Bible calls hell. Everybody in this room this morning is building a spiritual house. All of us are. One type of another. Every day you attach boards, you drive another nail, you add another room, you try to improve on your house. All of us do that. Regardless of what you do to your house that you're building, what matters the most is the foundation. Be sure that you're building on Jesus Christ. Make sure that you're building on the gospel. And if you've realized this morning, you said, you know what, I, I've been doing a lot of things. I've been going through the motions. I've been at church all the time, and, and I'm trying to look the right way, and I'm trying to do the right things, but... But Brother Brad, I'm lost because my foundation has never truly been built on Christ. It's been built on a lot of things. And right now, it's built on an embarrassment of saying to a bunch of people who think that I'm saved that I haven't really been saved. And what will they think? They'll think, praise the Lord that they got on the rock foundation today. People are going to rejoice. Stop allowing what other people are going to think to keep you on sinking sand. If the foundation needs to be relayed today. If you need to say, I need bedrock, all this other stuff, I've been, I've been packing sand, and it's just not working. I need the bedrock of the gospel. If that's you, come today. I don't care if you're, if you're six years old or 96 years old. If you realize today you're not yet on the bedrock of the gospel, the bedrock of Christ, you come today. Some of us, we know that we're built upon the rock. Some of us need to be on our knees because we know we've got loved ones that are not. And we need to be crying out to them. Some of you this morning, you need to make this church family your church family. You've been coming, you've been actively involved in worship, but you've not made it your church home yet. And you need to do that today. Some of us need to make other decisions. Some of us just need to be prayed with 